and welcome back to another episode of the Binge Eating Dietitian. My name is Jo. I am a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor and I'm here to smash the taboo of binge eating. So this is already episode seven of the podcast and I bet you're wondering when am I actually going to give you some advice about food? Well, today is the day. That's the thing about binge eating though. Although of course food is such a big part of it, it's really not all about food. Go back to the other episodes about the main causes and triggers of binge eating. Many of them were not related to food at all. Things like loneliness, anxiety, family history, etc. And hang around till the end because today's 30 second cereal box review is going to be I Can't Stop Eating by Sarah Dosange. This is a book I regularly recommend for my clients who are struggling with binge eating and I'm going to sum it up for you in 30 seconds at the end of today's show. So yeah, binge eating is not all about food, but of course food does play a big part. Today I want to take you through all things trigger foods. You might call them binge foods, you might call them trigger foods. Either way, I'm going to take you through how you can keep these foods in your house and not binge on them and not go crazy thinking about them. So what exactly are binge foods? Binge foods are the ones that once you take a single bite of, that's it. You just know that you are going to binge on them until they are gone. Binge foods are usually foods that are higher in sugar, fat and calories and they're definitely foods that you have referred to as being bad, treats or indulgent. They're the foods that make you feel totally out of control, like the food has some kind of power over you, like the food owns you and before you've even swallowed the food, you've already started to concoct this plan of how you're going to make up for the binge, how you're going to restrict tomorrow so that you can make up for everything that you're binging on today. So for some people, binge foods are kind of conventional things like chocolate, crisps or peanut butter. And sometimes it's the case that the minute you buy these foods, so the minute you get in the door from doing your weekly shop, that's the time that you have your binge. And all these chocolate and crisps and sweets that you bought are gone in the first couple of hours after you get home from the supermarket. But this isn't always the case. For some people, binge foods are not foods like chocolate and crisps. Binge foods are anything that you can get your hands on, anything that you have in the house, anything that will satisfy the intense hunger or craving that you're experiencing. It could be tablespoons of honey, it could be fistfuls of breakfast cereal or frozen buns or cakes straight out of the freezer. Binge foods can literally be anything. So don't worry if your binge foods are simply whatever is in the house at that very moment. So right before I get into the five steps of how to keep these foods in your house and not go crazy, I'm going to ask you again to take out a pen and paper and write down as many binge foods that you can think of the ones that are your binge foods. Remember what I said that for some people it's more conventional things like chocolate, cakes, sweets, crisps and for other people it's completely random household things. I know this might be a bit uncomfortable but still give it a go. Write down as many foods that you feel afraid of because you know that once you take a bite of them you're likely to binge on them especially if you're left alone in the the house with them. Whether it's five foods or a hundred foods, there's no right or wrong. And again, if you do find this a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. Just see what comes to mind. And all right, once you have that done, let's get cracking with the five steps to keep binge foods in your house without going completely crazy. 
Step number one is probably the most important step, and that is to reframe how you think about these foods. No matter how sinful or bold you think this food is, I assure you that your binge food is just food and all foods are morally equal. Why this is so important is because when you eat a food that you have deemed to be bad, you are saying that you are a bad person for eating that food. And of course, that isn't true. And it's not going to help things like your self-confidence or your self-esteem if you have this internal narrative that keeps telling you that you are a bad person. All food is morally equivalent. There is no such thing as good and bad foods. And the thing is, if you tell yourself that you can't eat or you shouldn't eat a particular food, it can lead to these intense feelings of deprivation that build into a binge eventually. Believing that certain foods are bad fuels an obsessive thinking about them because, you know, we always want what we can't have. So when we tell ourselves that we can't have them, it creates this obsessive thinking about them. And yeah, I can almost hear you shouting at me, but how can foods all be the same? There's no way that salad and green fruit pastilles are the same. And okay, sure, some foods are more nutrient dense than others, but that doesn't make them any more important. If you ate fruit pastilles all day, every day for weeks, yeah, you would feel pretty bad in yourself. You'd feel very run down, sluggish and not have much energy. But likewise, if the same went for salad and you only ate salad all day, every day for weeks, you would not feel good in yourself either. And not to be too basic about it, but some foods you'll eat because they make you feel good in your body and other foods you'll eat because they make your mind feel good. Step number two to have these foods in your house and not feel so crazy about them is to take that list of your binge foods that you've written and let's put them into a neutral category. In episode five, where I gave the best advice for overcoming binge eating, I described how we have to change our language around food and substitute words like treat, bad, binge or dangerous food into more neutral terms. So let's take that list of binge foods that you created and let's put them in a neutral category. So if you put down pizza, let's call that a meal. If it's chocolate, let's call it a snack. If it's granola, I guess that can be a snack or maybe a breakfast ingredient. Peanut butter is a spread. Crisps or chips, if you live in the States, are a snack. A Chinese takeaway is a meal, etc., etc. Anytime you feel yourself pulling towards using a more loaded term like bad or treat, come back to the neutral term. So do that now. Give each of your binge foods a category. Once you have that done, step number three is to choose a couple of these foods that you don't feel too threatened by. Some foods we feel more comfortable being around. Other foods, you know that if you're left in a room alone with it, that it's going to be gone in a split second. So take ones that you don't feel too threatened by and intentionally make a plan to slot them in on a regular weekday. So chocolate, which you have deemed to be a snack, slot that in, say for when you're watching TV before bed next Wednesday evening. Think about what kind of chocolate that you really want. 
only choose a chocolate that you love and make sure that you give yourself a proper portion too. At least a regular size bar that you pick up at a cash register, but it can be more or can be less. Remember, nothing is set in stone around here. This exercise is not about making a quote unquote healthier choice. It's about getting you to include your binge foods as part of your normal life and having a couple of experiences in the week where you can enjoy them without them being part of a binge. Remember, there's no right or wrong to this, but it may be best not to try and slot in all your binge foods in one week. Otherwise, you might get a bit stressed out. So just start with one or two. Of course, there's a million ways to do this. But for example, let's say, okay, on Wednesday before you go to bed, you're going to sit down on the couch, have a cup of tea, Twix, and you're going to watch an episode of The Crown and enjoy the chocolate. Even if you plan to carry this out by yourself, if you want to do this when you're alone, that's fine. But I do want you to treat it as if it's a plan with a friend. Because plans with friends, you're less likely to cancel on. But if it's something you're just doing for yourself, you might come around to Wednesday and say, ah, it's not important. It is important. And I want you to put it in your diary as if it's a plan with a friend. Remember what we spoke about, about how binge eating is also rooted in low self-confidence and low self-esteem. So I want you to put yourself first and tell yourself, yes, I am important. I am worthy of having this date with myself on Wednesday evening in front of the TV with my chocolate. Step number four is key. Step number four is to keep replacing your stocks. So if you eat the chocolate before Wednesday has come around, it doesn't matter. The plan must go on. I advise you to go out, get yourself another bar and have it on Wednesday anyway. In fact, I recommend that you always have some of your binge foods available in the house. It doesn't have to be all of them, just some of the ones that you don't feel too threatened by. So you may need to go back to the supermarket and replace whatever you need. But just make sure that you do have something available so that you can carry out your plan come Wednesday evening. And step number five is... When Wednesday does come around, please don't go light on your other meals and snacks just because you know you're going to be having chocolate after dinner. Chocolate is a delicious snack food and lots of people, people who have a quote unquote normal relationship with food, enjoy chocolate on a regular and often daily basis. So when Wednesday rocks around, carry out the plan just like you've set out. Put on your favourite TV show, hit the couch, get a cup of tea and enjoy that chocolate. If you feel the urge to binge, come on. Whether you proceed to binge or not, it actually doesn't matter. If you do binge, it's okay. This is not a task that's set up to pass it or to fail it. This is just another learning opportunity. And it might take another few goes before you're able to do it without binging. So please don't panic if you do binge on your first time doing this. If a binge does happen, please do your best to not restrict because that's going to keep the cycle going. If a binge does happen, check back on the common triggers for binge eating and see if any of them hit home with you. Reminder that the common triggers are hunger, anxiety or any negative emotion, loneliness or being tired. If you have identified one of these triggers was at play, perhaps you could take steps so that it's not a factor the next time you try this. 
Maybe next time you could do this task with a friend or a loved one present, or you could do it when you're not so tired after a really busy day at work. Overall, what we're trying to do here is take black and white thinking and mix them together and bring about this shade of grey. I can't reiterate this enough, but this mindset of good foods, bad foods, binge foods, safe foods, foods that I can't keep in the house because I'm going to binge on them and foods that I feel safe around. This kind of thinking isn't helpful for overcoming binge eating. What this task does is it takes a food that you deem to be bad and it it brings it into the house and includes it as part of a very normal routine. You might find in the beginning that you do binge on these foods often and you have to just keep replacing them. But over time, keeping binge foods in the house and allowing yourself to eat them whenever you like leads to these foods becoming, well, just like any other food, totally normal. Please do allow this to take time. Repeat this this task as much as you need to. I'm definitely not saying for a split second that you just do it once and all of a sudden you're able to just eat chocolate on a Wednesday night and never binge on it. I promise you it's not as simple as that. But doing it once is a really good place to start. I want to let you in on something that I hear very often from clients. And it's that, well, if I just don't buy the food, then I can't have it in my house. I can't be tempted to buy it. I'm probably not going to go to the shop in the middle of the night to go and get it. So I'll be safe then. And if that approach has worked for you, I think that's great. But just know that that approach doesn't work for everybody. And people who don't buy binge foods and keep them in their house find that they often just turn to things like ice and sugar, honey or breakfast cereal to try and get their fix instead. I never recommend restricting your binge foods because by doing that, you are keeping them on this pedestal as been something that's so elusive, so desirable, something that you can't be trusted around, something that's for other people, people who have a normal relationship with food, people who are good, who are trustworthy around food, and that's just not you. No, no, no. I promise you that these foods are for you too because they are just food. And the thing is, when you know that you can have them whenever you like, something crazy happens and they become something that's just not that special anymore. And no, this doesn't happen straight away. It does take time. But the more you're exposed to your off-limit binge foods, the less alluring they become and the less likely you'll be to binge on them. Start slow with just one or two foods at a time. And once you've mastered one food, move on to the next, move on to ones that do feel more dangerous and more threatening to you. Keep repeating this process, even if it does result in a binge each and every time, that's okay. It's all learning experiences and every binge is taking you closer to being free from binge eating eventually. I know that sounds like a total paradox, but I promise you it's true. Thank you so, so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review on iTunes because it just helps other people to find the podcast. I'm going to leave you now with a 30 second cereal box book review of I Can't Stop Eating by Sarah Dosange and I'll see you on the next episode. As I said earlier, so much about binge eating has nothing to do with food and it's this non-food stuff that Sarah really taps into. She explores some of the root causes of binging and describes a method she has created to overcome it. 
The method is called the RALIC method and it stands for recognizing difficulties, accepting circumstances, leaning into our emotions and making a free choice. Sarah's message is to convey hope. So if hope to overcome binge eating is what you're looking for, you'll find it within the pages of her book. I fully recommend this if you've ever wanted to explore some of the non-foodie side of binge eating.